This is Daylight Magazine coming to you from Adventist World Radio Ghana, the voice of hope. Today's Daylight Magazine has segments designed with you in mind. Stay tuned and be blessed. Procrastination has lots of time. It has 25 hours in a day and an eighth day of the week called someday. Interesting, right? But that is true. Procrastination's busiest day is tomorrow. The day it makes major decisions, accomplishes great things, and effects important changes. Trusting procrastination to do what needs to be done? Yesterday it promised, one of these days, and today it's pledging to do it later. Yesterday it promised, one of these days, and today it is pledging to do it later. But to do it later is to do it late, and one of these days is none of these days. Have no faith in procrastination's promises or achievements. It will ruin your dreams. It will ruin your opportunities as well as your destiny. Do you doubt what I'm saying? 
pick a Bible and check from the book of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. And also Acts chapter 24, verses 24 and 25. Dear friend, to get things done, begin now. For now is the only time procrastination can guarantee. Written by Samuel Cranting Pippin. I am Bell Dollarbill. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Note down this quotation and read afterwards. That is Psalm 139. Read from chapter 1 to the last verse. The verse 1 to 24. Examine yourself. Sometimes our sins can block answers to prayer. Let the prayer of the psalmist be one of yours. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Remember, God is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. God knows us. God is with us. And His greatest gift is to allow us to know Him. He is ready to search you. Examine yourself. And if you cannot find anything, ask God to search yourself. And then... Ask him for forgiveness so that your prayers will be answered. God bless you. I am Belle Dollarville. And what we're doing is a daily devotional series. And as we often do this, I believe we all have an encounter with our Creator. I am Sandra Ahia, and with me here is our own Pastor Solomon Apia. Please, you are welcome. Thank you, Sandra. Our lesson is captioned, An Early Missionary. An Early Missionary. And as we have been looking at the story of Jonah, we could see that he was given an instruction. Go to Nineveh. That was the command Jesus Christ gave to Jonah. And in the Old Testament, the usual appeal to the nations was, Come to Zion. God's original plan was for Israel to leave their religion. 
making the nation so attractive that other nations would come to them for guidance. As you can see this in Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7. Jonah, as a forerunner of the disciples in the New Testament, is told to go to Nineveh, which to him seemed an unclean center of idolatry, brutality, and totalitarianism. Jonah made detailed preparations to go west by sea, even though God had directed him to go east by land. Jonah, the unwilling prophet, fled in the opposite direction. Dear friend, as we have listened to this brief story of Jonah, we could see that he didn't listen to the words of God, but then he was a missionary to Christ. Let's pray as our pastor takes us through the lesson. King Jesus, we come to your throne of grace this blessed morning. Speak through us so that word will be delivered to your children in good faith. Thank you so much for an answered prayer. Through your son Jesus Christ, have I prayed thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. An early missionary. An early missionary. God, God had chosen um, Israel. Israel. In fact, if we read from the account of the chosen, from the calling of Abraham uh, and all that would happen after the calling of Abraham, we realize that God chose Abraham. And when God chose Abraham, he intended that Abraham and the nation that would come out of Abraham. In fact, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to 3 says that, and God came to Abraham and told him that, get out of your people and of your country and go to a place I will show you. God said that I will make you into a great nation. God initially planned that he was going to make Abraham's generation into a great nation. And that na generation or that nation that he was going to make out of Abraham was going to become the center of the world so that it would be the point of attraction, attracting and drawing all people to him so that when people from other nations see the way God's people, God's chosen people, in other words, Israel, were living their lives, then they would also come to know God. And so that was the reason God chose Abraham and made a nation out of him. In fact, when the nation, when Abraham, uh, like we studied two weeks ago, uh, he had his household, all the people, even the king of Sodom, they realized that Abraham was a special person and so they came to know the God that Abraham served. Now, even when the generation found themselves in Egypt, the Egyptians knew that God was with them, and so they feared them, and so on. And so God's intention was for Israel to become a point of attraction so that all people, all nations, all the world would come to know God through Israel. That was the reason God chose Israel. It doesn't mean Israel was uh, having better chances than all the other nations. God could have chosen any other nation, but God decided to choose Israel. Now, when God chose Israel, God made Israel. He gave his law to Israel, and he made Israel to understand his laws. And so the Israelites were living according to the will of God, so that if any man would come to know God, that person had to come to Israel. And so all this while, before Jonah's time, God when he wants to talk to somebody, he says, go to Zion. If you go to Zion, you meet the God of the Israelites, the God who made heaven and earth. If you go to Zion, you meet God. And so God's original plan was for Israel, as I have said, to leave their religion and to make the nation an attractive nation that other nations would come to them for guidance. 
today God has called all of us as Christians and God expects us to live our life as Christians so that through the life we are living, people will come and say that we want to know God and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they also will come to know God. And so for God to come now and call um, Jonah and say, Jonah, now it is no more come to Zion, but now it is go to Nineveh. In fact, that was a strange thing to Jonah. And so Jonah maybe would have been perplexed. All this while it was come to Zion. If anyone wants to come to know God, come to Zion. For instance, when Naaman was sick, he had to come to Israel to be saved. Whoever wanted to be saved had to come to Israel. But now God says that, no, the message is not going to be limited only to Israel. I am to take it out into all the world. And so, Jonah, you are going to be the forerunner even of the Christian church or even of the gospels of the disciples of Jesus. So now, it is no longer them coming. You go and give them the message. And so it was a surprise to him. But when we look at the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus had died and resurrected and he was about to go, he commissioned his disciples. He told them that, go into all the world. Please, let's read Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Yes, a very beautiful commissioning God has given to us over there. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Exactly. That is it. Jesus tells them, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Okay. Okay. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen. Amen. So, just like God had told Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, that Jonah, go to Nineveh. God is telling all of us today that we should go into all the world. Thank you so much for this great peace you have rendered to us. Dear friend, we could see that God's response to Jonah's flight came in the form of a mighty storm. The winds obey their creator, even though his prophet does not. Jonah slept during the storm while the gentle crew prayed. In honesty, Jonah confessed that he caused the calamity, and he testified to the true God and creator. Notice that his reply, I am Hebrew, referred both to his religion and his nationality. In their alarm at the ferocity of the storm, the gentle sailors tried to save themselves and the passengers, and they showed compassion to Jonah in their reluctance to comply with his instructions to throw him overboard. The reluctant prophet was willing to sacrifice himself to save others. When they finally complied, the storm ceased and the sea calmed. The amazed sailors became Jonah's first convert to his God, who could walk through Jonah even while he fled from his call. Amen. Amen. Dear friend or pastor, if we look at this thing, we could see that even though he was disobeying, he was bringing people closer to God. Because in the first place, he was asked to go somewhere. But he disobeyed and tried to move to a different direction as well. And when the consequences came up, he testified to the people the true God. And with what he did, they also changed their ways and came to worship the God of Jonah. Amen. May the good Lord bless us all as we meet each blessed morning to share this wonderful word. So we meet same time. Have a wonderful
For any inquiries or contribution, you can contact us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight or plus two three three two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana P.O. Box AF 595 Adenta Greater Accra Region Ghana We will expect your feedback. again how are you i hope by god's grace you are fine but the lord is with you the lord is ready to answer questions that are agitating our minds i'm looking at the church the supreme object of christ the church which is embodied with human beings it is the supreme object of christ i'm your servant amos Bikai of valley university let's pray i pray that this sermon and the Lord be instilled in your mind and should not depart from your head, but keep it in your mind. Meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to the writings of the scriptures. God should be with you as we are going to study about his church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brethren, our lesson is captioned. The church, the supreme object of Christ. The foundational text is Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Quote, Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, unquote. The Savior pictures you with his own precious blood that makes you eligible candidate for eternal reward. By so doing, we are advised to be part of the church or elected in a society to be ambassadors of God. Brethren, I want us to relate Macedonia appointment of countries of the heavenly one. The question is, who qualifies to be an ambassador? Who should appoint the ambassador? Where should the ambassador reside? What are his expectations and expectations of his indigenous country and country he has been assigned to? The ambassador must be a member of a president's party. He must be in good standing. He must not be in debt to the party and need to have recommendations from the local to national executives. He must go through interview and workshops to make him qualify well for the job. Finally, he should accept the appointment and express interest to establish mutual relationship between the two countries and be loyal to the president and his party. In the same way, the church is God's party. You need vital information about the owner and his constitution to enhance your participation. If you read Acts 2.28, quotes, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy without countenance. Unquote. If you understand your Savior through his constitution, you would love him more. And your supreme object will be his church. You will not hesitate to be part of his body to enjoy gifts bestowed unto the church. As Paul quotes in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, quotes, And he gave some evangelists, some apostles, and some prophets, and some pastors, and some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is to equip members of God of the party for ambassadorial assignments. Yet, he cautions us in 1 Timothy 3.15, quote, But if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground for the truth. Read to genuine faith, you will live just like the Christians of the first century. There shouldn't be any wall of petition. Christ sought by precepts an example to teach his truth that with God there was to be no dividing wall between Israel and other nations. We are also partakers of God's kingdom without discrimination, nor was there to be anything among us that should differentiate us. The followers of Christ. There shouldn't be any preference of nationality or race or color, for all are of one blood. Let us walk by the rule of the kingdom, not satisfying with whatever we have. You are the supreme object that Christ has much regard for. For you are the arm of his body. Christ is requesting you to join him. So, answer this question for me. Are you sure you belong to Christ's party? Have you allowed God to try your conscience 
to enable him to justify your inclusion? Do you really know the steps to follow as God's party member? Consider if you have not departed from his commands and virtues. Can you claim to have treasured the ways of his mouth more than your portion of food? Do you believe God is unchangeable and no one can turn him back or change his mission? Have you recognized your special role in the body of the church? Make a move today for Christ. You are to support the building of the church like John Wycliffe, like Hoss, like Jerome, like Martin Luther, etc. With his presence, the blessings are offered free as indicated in Acts 4.17. Quote, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he died good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Be encouraged that we are no more strangers of the kingdom, but partakers for the heavenly reward. This is the ultimate goal of every Christian. Amen. Please know this. There are hundreds of different churches with various doctrines, each of which considers itself to be God's church on earth. But how can this be? It will seem that for any church to qualify as God's church, it must teach and practice all that the Bible teaches. When Paul talks about the house of God, which is the church of the living God, he says, is it the pillar and the ground of truth. In the parable of the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus said, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I might bring into the fold. Dear friend, God is calling you. God is telling you to join his fold. So I pray that you respond to his call and adhere to his principles. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much for staying with us. Once again, you can reach us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight or plus two three three two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF five nine five. Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. I believe today's magazine has been a blessing. May the good Lord's hand be in your life. Amen. Remember to tune in same time tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>